You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Rewind. When I was going up the stairs, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd go away. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I am your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, what you are about to hear is an episode that you may have already heard. This is a uh, flashback to when Rachel Zelag and I were discussing films that should could or would have worked if not for a few things and we're going to periodically have these rewind episodes in here just in case you missed them and just to maybe buy me a little bit of time as i work through some computer issues so from just a few years ago here is myself and mrs rachel zelag discussing the film identity Hello and welcome to the Plain Label Podcast. I am your host, Eric Williams, and along with me is my good friend and co-host, Rachel Zelag. Hello. In this episode, and for the next few episodes, Rachel and I will be talking about some movies that almost work, that could have worked, or maybe should have worked. We're calling the theme Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. And after we discuss the film, we're going to take some time to rewrite what didn't work and hopefully come up with something a little bit better. For our first film, we are looking at the James Mangold-directed thriller, Identity. Before getting into our discussion, we should mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Head over to DeliberateNoise.com and check out some of the other shows that are over there. Mrs. Zelag, it is a little earlier than we are usually recording. Are you having any grown-up drinks for me? Go. Is beer grown-up? <laughs> it's grown-up enough. <laughs> yes, I am drinking a Sam Adams Winter Lager, and I'm just going to throw out this semi-unpopular opinion. I think I like winter beers better than pumpkin beers. Whew. Yeah. I'll, uh... I'll leave some space in there so people can collect their minds. Or I know there's going to be a lot of backlash. A lot of backlash. <laughs> they can pick their phones up off the ground after throwing right. them across the room. Right. <laughs> uh, I am going with something very much uh, that doesn't fit with our theme or that fits with our movie. I'm having passion fruit and vodka. It's We got the passion fruit uh, LaCroix. Mm-hmm. And so I'm giving that a whirl, and it's uh, not too bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's no lime, but... Uh, yeah, well, lime is the standard bearer. <laughs> and so this is, this is uh, you know, it, that's what happens when I go shopping, because I'm like, well, well, let's try this other one. Let's try this other thing and see how this goes. Uh, so, all right, so that's what we're drinking. Let's uh, Let's go ahead and kick off our discussion of the 2003 film Identity. Maybe 
there's some connection between all of us. Like what? My birthday next week. Me too. Me too. At a desolate Nevada motel during a nasty rainstorm, ten strangers become acquainted with each other when they realize that they're being killed off one by one. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, I know you guys, so like, where are you from? Like, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we're being killed, uh, so let's go ahead and get acquainted, by the way. Let's talk about the movie Identity. Let's uh, let's talk about why you picked this film, and, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. I feel like I'm getting put on the spot here. Um, I picked it because I feel like it starts out like this. It's one of those, obviously, why it's in this theme is that the premise to me is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it starts out and you're like, holy shit, what's going on? And then you're kind of like, oh. So um, it bas- I basically picked it because it fit into what we were talking about is the okay. way boring version of <laughs> what I want to tell you. <laughs> well, and the thing that we found out that was strange, that was a little identity like is that we both own this film. Uh, <laughs> it was like, when are we going to, we need to get both. Of, we need to get this DVD because it's not streaming anywhere. And, and then I was like, wait a minute, I think I own this. And you're like, yeah, I a hundred percent own this. <laughs> yeah. It, it must've been. So it, I opened it up and it said cruiser on the, on the DVD. So it must've been college. Mm-hmm. When I was worried that people would steal my DVDs, you know, when mm-hmm. you lived in a house with eight people. So that must have been when I purchased this. Yeah, um, I know that it's one that I've seen a few times. Um, I kind of I kind of always watch John Cusack movies when he's a little older and wish they were better than they actually are. Yeah. Uh, I think High Fidelity is good, but a lot of the other ones I'm like, hmm, well, he's okay, but this movie's terrible. Or this uh, is like kind he, of interesting, but wow. It's like Binda just playing himself in really crap movies. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know either. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about the actual film then. I think that uh, one of the things that is interesting that is a little bit of a ripoff, and, and now that I watch it, worries me a little bit from the, the get-go, is how the opening wants to kind of be like Seven. It wants to kind of show uh, and give you all of the clues right away, but you don't know that those are really clues. Like, it's kind of telling you everything that you need to know right away. Yeah. And so I was like, hmm, I don't know if I love love that. Like, I think it's fine because of the the kind of tone that it sets for the film. But I don't know that that's always great that if you have a movie that reminds you of a different movie, like right away. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think honestly, like in my notes, I, I mean, basically what happens for me in this movie is that, um, it starts out semi like interesting and turns into a slasher movie like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're pandering, like spelling out like, okay, I'm going to put this here. So later you can be like, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's why they talked about that. Right. Now, I do, I think that it is interesting that this was written by Michael Cooney, and I believe it was his first writing credit. Uh, It was definitely early on. I don't believe he's done too much. Uh, Oh, my goodness. He wrote and directed the Jack Frost-like horror film. Yeah, I looked him up, too. It was just a bunch of slasher movies. Yeah, so... It wasn't bad, but... Yeah, so it looks like he's he's had a couple of things that he did, and then Identity is, <clears throat> is the only one that most people really know, Yeah, it looks like. Here's what I did for what I wrote down in my notes, is I started writing down different moments that I either thought was kind of a miss of a scene, or that could have been better, or things that I still enjoyed, but could have either been punched up, or could have been better in some way, basically. Okay. Um... And I will judge you based on what you wrote. 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, for people that haven't seen this, obviously we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie, but uh, I mean, we let's just go ahead and do that now. So identity is 10 people. They are, end up together. They're, they're isolated. And that's always a big clue whenever you're in a film and there's nowhere to go, no way to leave, no possibility of going anywhere. That's like, should be a little bit of a, a warning sign to where you're like, hmm, okay, so is this, why, why is it in this just one location and there's no possibility of it being any other location? Um, so they all get together and then, and then like the uh, very brief plot synopsis said, they start dying one by one. And you eventually, and this is the big spoiler, you eventually find out that it's a killer who we see, we see with Alfred Molina in the real world a few times. And he is, has multiple personality and those personalities are killing off each other until there's one personality left. And that's basically, that's basically the gist. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. No. <laughs> now that you know, now that you know, we can. You can reevaluate your thoughts on the film. Uh, I'm going to have to get back to you. <laughs> so the first thing that I thought in here, and I think that this is a really good cast for the type of film that it is. Since it's this kind of wants to be fairly smart, but it is kind of like a slasher film. They did get Ray Liotta. They did get John Cusack. This is when Amanda Pete was trying to make a go of things. Uh, John Hawks, Alfred Molina, like I said, John C. McGinley's in this. Uh, Clea Duvall is in it, and uh, Jake Busey is in it, who is not good. But um, and then of course Rebecca De Mornay is uh, is in the film, looking very much not like Rebecca De Mornay. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that was her. Yeah, she is the she's the fancy lady. But so you have a pretty good list. You know, I wouldn't say anyone's like an A list uh, actor or anything like that. But you have a a pretty good. It's not like a, a horror film where you don't know any of the people and you're like, oh, well, yeah, they're all going to die. Right. Because I don't know who any of them are. Um, but the first thing that I wrote down was that was a miss for me. And it's a small thing, but it is just kind of, you know how when you read a scene and you're like, oh, that, that's not working. Or if you look at a scene and you're like, that doesn't. That doesn't sound right or look right. Yeah. It's, it's when John Hawks is first introduced and he plays Larry, the, the hotel manager. Okay. Yeah. And so he's sitting there and he's watching Wheel of Fortune. Okay. And he's drinking and he's like, they're playing Wheel of Fortune and it's at regular speed, which is not what John Hawks is at when he's watching this because they'll spin and they'll say, uh, a letter N. And then, you know, they're going and, and, and Vanna's turning this, the little number, the little letters. And he's like, buy a vowel, you idiot. And then the person's like sitting there talking and, and he's like, yes, buy a vowel, and, blah, and like talking like super, super fast. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. That's not the rhythm. That's not the speed of Wheel of Fortune. That doesn't fit. <laughs> you know, and so he's, cause you can hear in the background the game show going on and he's like talking over it and obviously just like saying words. And they're just like, ah, oh, who gives a shit? Just, just keep it. Uh, let's just move. Let's just move on to the next thing. And it was one of the things at the beginning where I was like, this is a small thing, but this like, this is not good. Like this doesn't work out to where he's like manically drinking for no real reason. I mean, you find out his, his secret later, but he's not drinking for a reason. It's not affecting him at all. It's just a way to introduce him. Yeah. And it's just a way for him to be in there. And I was like, God, you could, you could have introduced him in a more interesting way than that. I mean, he could have just been, uh, it could have been something like he's walking toward that fridge where, uh, where the former owner is or something and gets interrupted yeah. by John C. McGinley coming in. And then you just hold on that fridge for like a second. Cause that would make the audience think, well, what's in that fridge? Right. Instead of him just being a clown. And talking about Wheel of Fortune stuff. So, Do you think that they set that? I mean, I agree with the Wheel of Fortune. I I think it was not a good way to introduce someone. But do you think that um, they were trying to introduce him in a way that he seems like a side character, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, he's the murderer? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it seems so like, like they could have. They could have. Uh, like if you if you look at that fridge. Right at the beginning, I think the audience would think, okay, it's definitely him once people start dying. 
Right. And you could have played with that and then had hit, had it be like, oh, it's obviously him, like the book that you finished and I'm reading. <laughs> right? Where it's like, oh, it's so clearly him. And then you're like, well, I've got 200 pages left of this. It's not going to be this dude. Um, and so you could have done that where it's like, well, it's not going to be this guy. There's still an hour left in this movie. But they could have done something a little more interesting with his introduction, I think. Yeah. I mean, and they do that with the prisoner. They, you know, you automatically think it's the prisoner. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really, it's a little... Let me try to think about, like, the opposite of heavy-handed, I guess, because they, like, keep the motel guy, like, basically, they introduce all of these characters, and everybody gets there, and it's raining, and, like, some shit happens, and some lady gets hit by a car, and then they have this scene, literally, where they do a montage of every person that's there, and they all have some sort of agenda, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, I get it, everybody's here, but I think that they put him as a side, like a side character. So you think it's immediately the prisoner and then he like comes up and you're like, what? That's crazy. And then, I mean, spoiler alert, the real killer I think is bullshit. That's almost like an ex machina situation oh, where, yeah, it is. um, I was kind of annoyed with that, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't really care for let, Well, let's talk about the way that everyone's introduced then, because I, I just want to talk about the structure of it. Okay. Um, I do think it's interesting that we had, uh, you know, you have the kind of dopey John C. McGinley uh, car accident scene. Yeah. And that leads into uh, how that connects with with uh, Larry, the hotel owner. Right. And then that sort of connects with Amanda Peet's, uh, I guess, prostitute character, or like the most... I don't know. The most, like, boring prostitute character I've ever seen in movies, I think. Right. Um, but it leads into her, sort of, because that was related. And then I'm like, oh, okay, so they're going to relate each one of these stories somehow. Like, they're all connected somehow. But no, they don't really do that. No. Like, they do that, like, halfway, but not all the way. Because there's that- because there's no reason that the, the newly married couple is even around. Except for to die. Yeah, except for yeah. to die. Yes. I I do I am really glad that the fake southern accent that she had when she was a prostitute did not come over for when she was talking throughout the whole movie. I was like, that's gonna really annoy me. Yeah, that that was rough, especially when she was like ultra slow motion singing the Marilyn Monroe version of uh Happy Birthday. Yeah. That was not that was not great. Um, I did, the only thing I do, I will say that I liked about Amanda Peet is she does have probably my favorite line in the movie, my favorite non-ironic line in the movie. Okay. Um, it's when, uh, it's when Ray Liotta is hitting on her after she steals some chips from the vending machine. Yep. And Ray Liotta plays the cop and he's like, oh, your name's Paris or whatever. And, and, uh. He says, you ever been or whatever? And she says, well, you ain't going tonight or whatever. You ain't yeah. going there tonight or whatever, something like that. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, that's, I like that line. Like, that's clever. Yes. And I'm like, I bet she gets that kind of shit all the time with her name being that and whatnot. Right. Um, and that was another complete throwaway thing for me with the whole names, by the way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, okay. Like, I understand that they all have the same birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't under I didn't really understand why they all needed state names. Yeah, I don't know, or not like, even state because her name's Paris. Right, or location, I guess. But yeah, like, location. what that had to do with the patient? Like, that does it didn't make sense to me because like his mom didn't take him to a bunch of locations and drop him off or whatever. Like, I don't know. That just you're right. That didn't ring for me either. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that that could have just been completely left out i guess for all yeah i mean it didn't need to even be in there i didn't think but um so yeah so so we had the wheel of fortune thing that i didn't like i thought that amanda pete's history and her wanting to be there and or her her like escape or whatever i thought that that could have been way more intense or way more interesting than she's got a guy that she's a kind of a gross looking dude that she sleeps with it presumably and she's leaving and is a moron and doesn't have the top up 
and her shoe falls out. Right. Like that's her whole introduction. And I'm like, what? Because she's, she should come off as more of like a desperate figure or something. Right. Is she trying to run away? I, I guess because she seems desperate to get out of there because, well, she's got that money. So maybe he, she killed that guy or something. Well, why didn't we see that? That would have been way more fun. (laughs) I know it would have, it would have made a lot more sense to where that's why she's running because there's a lot of these, there's a lot of these mysteries or a lot of these like hidden paths that these people have and not many of them are that intriguing. Right? Cause then, I mean, you could have been like, Oh man, she killed a guy. Maybe she's the killer. You know, like mm-hmm. just mix it up a little bit more, make it a slurry of ideas. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, because you want to have them all potentially being the one. Except right. for maybe one or two people, like the the mom obviously who's almost dead. Right. Couldn't be one. And maybe Clea Duval who has nothing to do but scream in this movie as Jenny. Oh man, yeah. That whole thing like the whole abortion, uh, not pregnant, uh... Well, she, like, lied, and then, like, they're in a fight, and... Okay, the other thing that makes me mad, first of all, I love John Cusack, but he... Just the... It is probably... It, it's not his fault, but just the character that he is in this film, and the whole, like, loopholes of everything makes me so angry. <laughs> like, he tells Amanda Pete to, like, watch this girl, because she's obviously distressed... And then she leaves for two seconds, and that's when, like, shit goes down. And I understand, like, you have all these people in a place, and you need people to not, um, you know, obey the rules. That's how people end up dying. Otherwise, everybody would just sit in a room with their thumbs up their asses waiting for mourning. But um, it just, it just like, annoyed the shit out of me that he was kind of the take control guy. And he was, like, he was, they basically wanted him to be an anti-hero, mm-hmm. but he was too fucking bossy. Well, <laughs> exactly. And so this is, this is what's funny about like what, uh, where we're at reading what, reading wise while watching this movie, because I'm like, wait, he should be like, if he, his whole past is that he was sick and blacking out because of stress from his job as a cop. Right. Right. And so I'm like, well, then make him a drunk, make him using drugs, make that his history where he's also sneaking off. And doing something and people think he's involved for some reason. And make or, him like not want to help. Yeah. Make, make him, him not want to be involved. And they're <laughs> exactly. like, you need to help us. Like he's just watching people fuck up and like get killed. And he's like, Oh my God, am I really the only one that can like figure this shit out? Mm-hmm. Um, he could have been a lot more. Yeah. Like there was, could have been a lot more depth to his character. The other thing that really made me mad. And this is just me. He like basically by the end was like, we need to get the women and children out of here. Oh, yeah. Let's get in a car and just, first of all, people keep trying to leave, okay? We all know it's flooded. We all know you're not going anywhere. People keep trying to get in cars and go somewhere. I don't know where the fuck you're going. And then she says to him, there's nowhere to go. And he's like, just keep driving back and forth. I just want the women and children. Like, he didn't say it, but yeah. the women and children need to be safe. And I was like, barfity, barf, barf, barf. Yeah, that was not great. When he, he literally says, just keep driving back and forth. Right. <laughs> Until the storm is over, I think. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, that's your plan? Like, come on, Ed, you've been here for hours. Like, half the people are already dead. I think there's like four or five people left. And you're just wanting them just to drive around. I just thought that was dumb. Right? Uh, I mean, at the very least, like, drive as far as you possibly can and stop the car. You mm -hmm. know, or I don't know. Anyway, um... It just annoyed, yeah, it just annoyed me that he didn't want to deal with any of it, but, like, when shit starts, like, immediately, like, immediately, he, the lady, the actress, Rebecca, uh-huh. morning, didn't want to have anything to do with it. We have to help. We have to do this. He's carrying bodies. He's rushing in. He's, like, going for help. Um, he's stitching that lady up, even though he doesn't so, know yeah, how. Yeah, at the very least, he could have, like, tried to fight it. He could have been like, I don't know why I'm doing this. This is going to make me crazy. And then, like, he gets all stressed out. So then when he leaves and they say, where did you go? You could be like as the person they couldn't, maybe they don't give you as much backstory or information. And you're like, where did he go? Did he like kill somebody? Yeah, it could have been nice if they, if he doesn't act and then somebody else gets killed and he starts feeling responsible for it. Yeah. And so that forces him to start acting. But yeah, he, cause he's definitely is like, oh, 
uh, I'm going to fix everything all of a sudden. Like, that's yep. his character right away. Yep. Yeah. Some of the things that were weird is, you know, we have Rebecca de Mornay talking about how uh, she's like, well, pass me my extra battery. And then that's a thing that's completely forgotten about. Like that they don't use that extra battery at all. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Well, it's like, well, why why even talk about that then? Why even bother with that? She could have done an, any number of things that wouldn't have related to a phone or a battery or a, a way to contact the outside. And then that caused him to run that lady over. Like it could have been anything. Lipstick. Yeah, she could have just thrown the okay. phone out of frustration or something. She could have... Yeah. Tried to throw him some booze or something. I mean, whatever. Right. So. Yeah, that's interesting. There's like a smoking gun that doesn't have a payoff. Mm-hmm. So. so what do you think about this, though? So I was I was watching it this time, and I'm watching it, and in, in, I'm looking at the different characters, and I am a little frustrated and also understanding because I realize that the movie doesn't need to be three hours, so I don't need to have, like, all of the character histories from all of these people. Right. Uh, but at the same time, they're all of a certain type, it seems like. Like, they're just kind of like, oh, this is the the beaten down former cop that can't give the cop away. And this is the, the copness away. And this is the uh, the prostitute girl. And this is the sort of low-life hotel owner. And this is... Oh, for sure. You know, this is the couple that she has a secret or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And fighting. Yeah. Yeah, and so I liked I liked part of that, and so I was kind of in this weird like middle ground to where I wanted them to have, I wanted like some of them to have more history, and some of them I wanted to be more of a type, and I was just kind of in this like fuzzy middle ground with what I felt about that. I think because I wasn't happy the way that it was, but I don't know exactly like well, do I really need Jenny and Lou to have a backstory, or are they just a fighting couple that just got married? You know? Right. Well, I mean, you know, as in like normal slasher films, you get the backstory of like maybe the last three people. Mm-hmm. So maybe you get, and you do, you get a lot of backstory from the people who stay alive the least, except for Ray Liotta. You get two seconds of his backstory, but yeah, um, we don't need to know why he was a prisoner, I guess. Um, so maybe, you know, you kill off the first couple people and then you start character because, you know, you don't really need to care about the first two people. Those are just the ones where you're like, oh, shit's getting real. Mm-hmm. And then the meaningful characters die later. So I don't know if they could have expanded on that a little bit. Yeah, because you don't get a backstory for Jake Busey's character other than he gets that he gets that gross bat in his throat thing. Which, which also, by the way, a little kid did that. <laughs> Spoilers, really? yeah, a little kid. Did you do the people's elbow off, like, the roof? <laughs> Yeah, that, okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about the reveal, because that's, that's the big concern, right? Like, that's the big, oh. Cause I watched it and was like, oh no. Cause I was kind of digging the fact that they're all being eliminated and they couldn't figure it out and. Right. And then we and find I lo- out, go ahead. And I love the like, meta, I guess meta external story where like, why they're, why that's happening. Like, I really thought that that was cool. Like, it's obvious they all can't leave because you're personas and you have to be here. Um, and yeah, so I did like that part too. I thought maybe if we had a little bit more back and forth between the two worlds, I guess it would have, I, I wanted a little bit more, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe that would have just drug the movie down. Yeah. I, I do like the scene where it's Jake Busey's criminal character where he's running off and it seems like he's got away and he comes over this like little hill and he sees the hotel again. Yeah. And I wish they would have done a little bit more with that, like, earlier. So maybe John Cusack is running off, and he's not trying to help, and he's getting... He thinks he's getting lost in this little motel when it should be so easy to find his way around. But it's, like, not thought out that well from Malcolm the Malcolm Rivers crazy character. And so it just keeps, like, repeating itself, you know, like a little Inception style or something. Right. To where you're like, whoa, wait a minute, I just came from there. And now it's in front of me or whatever. Yeah, because, I mean, as the the viewer, it gets it only gets weird when the bodies are completely gone. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what the hell? But I think it could have had, like, semblances of being not right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's very probably not going to happen, but semi-plausible that if it's pouring rain for X amount of time, there's going to be flooding. Mm-hmm. 
but that's understandable. You know, and by the time we get to everybody has a weird location, last name or first name, and we all have the same birthdays, you're like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because you already know. So it, it could have been a little bit, like you said, like we introduced the, you know, the Wheel of Fortune scene. It could have been a little more interesting if everything was, like, just a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. The shit. Like, why? You know, like, he sees the hotel, which is understandable. Like, like, maybe he just got turned around. I don't know. Who knows? But, like, there could have been, like, little glimpses of, like, weird shit going on. Like, the Truman Show. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, like, they... Because they, I thought that they could have done the the whole... Um, and this is why I liked the, the plot synopsis of this movie. It was I liked... I wish that they would have had some kind of a big powwow where they're all together and they're boozing it up or whatever, or they're just trying to get it figured out, or they're trying to figure out how best to uh, watch each other's back after Rebecca DeMornay dies and after this woman's all half-stitched yeah. up and dead. And they're just sitting there drinking, and one of, and then you could have Larry talk about how his birthday's coming up, and then right away they all know that something weird's going on because their birthday is all the same. Right. And so they could have a little, like, oh, well... uh you know, my bird, I don't, I don't know anybody who would want to hurt me, my, you know, and they're trying to like piece it together or something. Right. So Cause it, tur- it doesn't turn in. I mean, it, it really does turn into a slasher movie. There isn't that they don't have the scenes where they're like, who could be doing this and why, which could be in there or not. Um, mm-hmm. but that, you know, that makes it more of a who done it than versus a, a slasher movie. But you know, that's, I'm, that might just be personal preference. Right. So tell me what you would have. So we have the little kid ends up being the one that had killed them all, and which I was kind of checked out at that point. Even though apparently not that much since I own the movie. But uh, tell me what you would rather have, I guess, than the little kid. Like, would you just rather have him not be around? I think it was. I mean, I think it was okay that the little kid was evil. That makes me laugh because little kids are supposed to be, like, super cute. Um, it just made me really mad that he disappeared and then comes back. Mm. Like, in the rules of detective novels and mystery novels, that's that's bullshit, mm. basically. Like, he's not supposed to disappear. You don't find, you know, the girl's body, so you just assume that they both died and then they come back. And that, to me, was not fair. Yeah, it it does make it because part of the fun is when you see, oh, he's not touching anyone. He has been dead the whole time from the sixth sense, right? Yeah. Or you yeah. Fi- you figure something out like that, and then you can rewatch it, and it all makes sense. This right. is just a complete cheat. Yeah. So you're eliminating characters, and you're like, okay, well, those two are dead. I mean, whatever. We needed to get him out of the way anyway. So, I mean. Amanda Pete survives and takes the little kid home with her for a while and she's talking to him and he's really sweet because he has the periods of time, obviously, where he can pretend to be sweet. Yeah. And he just, like, waits and kills her or something. You know, like, I, you know, off the top of my head, that's probably not great, but the fact that he disappeared and came back, I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah, I think that you're, I think you're right because they could have had him just be really burned and hurt and almost dead. And so then right. they've got to take care of him also while trying to flee with their lives. Right. And he doesn't talk. And so, like, the whole time you're just assuming, and he has, like, a little cherub face. You're just thinking, like, Jesus, this little kid lost his mom and his stepdad, who he, you know, and he's, like, just traumatized. So he doesn't have to say anything because, um, you know, that gets into weird, cheesy little kid lines. But, um, you know, just have him be, like, really quiet and just, like, you know, being cute, and then all of a sudden, he just, like, he's in the backseat or something, and they're like, it's going to be okay, and then he just starts stabbing people. So it could almost, like, parallel what happens in the real mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I, I like that solution a lot better. I, I don't, uh, I kind of don't really get what they were going for, because in the real world, so you have, you have the scenes with uh, Alfred Molina and with... Uh, his name is Pruitt Taylor Vince. He's the guy that can do the crazy eyes is the way I always think of him as. Yeah. Um, and he plays Malcolm Rivers. And so in the real world, like his, his personality is a small child and that's the one that's violent. Like, I don't know if they established that or not. You know what I mean? Like doctor, the doctor could have been, well, you know, since, uh, blah, blah, blah happened in his childhood. 
he's well, had he, issues. Yeah, he is, he, to me, it seems like he doesn't know which one is the bad one. Hmm. Cause he's like talking to, he's like, who am I talking with? And it's John Cusack and he seems to know that one, but he's like, um, you know, we, he needs to weed out all of the people so the, the bad one can be, which is also just the craziest thing I've ever heard. But anyway, <laughs> right. um, so like, I don't know if he doesn't know who the bad one is or like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that that's something that they could have probably weeded out to where if they were working in there that he had some, like he started developing these personalities when he was a child, when something bad happened to him. And then he had that sort of, which they did. Didn't did they, they say that? Did they? Because if they said it, I'm I completely missed it, or it wasn't I, impactful enough to where it stuck with me. Yeah, I thought he he said like my mom was also a whore or something like that. Oh yeah. They, well, I know Larry does. Larry doesn't like whores, the hotel right. manager, and says like that's one of his few lines. I feel like because he's just talking, he's just berating Paris the whole time. Right. Well, he's just yeah. I don't know. Um. So I don't know. I mean, like, regardless of if it happened in his childhood, you, you know, like, people, you know, I don't, I have no expertise in this area, so I'm just going to talk out of my ass right now. But, um, like, I didn't think that, like, the persona that you developed necessarily had to be a child. Mm. So that didn't really, like, regardless of if you would have, like, made that statement, like, in a very grand way, it, it still wouldn't, the first time around, reflected me that, like, oh, then the kid's obviously evil. Mm-hmm. So he just sits there. What I'm glad that they also didn't do a cheat where it was someone else that we never saw. You know how you can have a, a, a horror movie where it's all these ten people and then it's just like a random mysterious dude that you never see until like the last two minutes or something. Right, right. So yeah, I'm glad that they didn't do that cheat. Yeah. So I, I do like it where it's like okay, it's it's like a locked room mystery or whatever, to where it's except it's just this hotel and and. It's one of these 11 or 10 people or whatever it is, I guess. And it's one of them that's doing it. Who is it? So. Right. That's the fair way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the fair way to do it. Just say it. <laughs> so I will say that um, I, you know, at the end, we already talked about this, but Amanda Pete's character is the only one who's survived, we think. And then, uh, you know, we have the return of this small kid and he kills her and and says the whores don't get a second chance line um which is so van- very anti-american which is just not, that's just not that's not right nice first of all <laughs> like anybody else in the motel like i don't know escaped criminals don't get a second chance like her being a prostitute was like the worst thing all of those people did yeah anyway. she she was the worst of everyone because apparently she, yeah and it didn't seem like she had really done that much other than uh, maybe slept with a fat older guy. Right. Honestly, I thought she had a sugar daddy. In the, oh, I mean, yeah, I guess that could have been too. But they kept saying it was that she was a whore, so I don't right. know. Right. They said whore like 17 times in the <laughs> yeah, movie. So. Really, yeah, they really did. They really so, nailed that one. <laughs> so I do like the the way that they cut the end where it's, you know, he the little boy is attacking Amanda Pete. And we don't really see that whole struggle or anything, but I like how they intercut that with the real world with the way that he's trying to escape and you get that kind of doom of, oh shit, there's somebody still left. There's a, you know, the real killer is, is still out there and yep. all of that kind of stuff. So I thought that the ending was effective, but I put, of course, I'm the one who liked the ending, right? Because it's a, it's a down ending. It's a, uh, it's the killer still on the loose kind of a thing. <sighs> I liked it too, though. Oh, okay, so good. Know what that says about me? Add some validity to my statement, then. Right. Yeah. So sure. I think I think that that's I think that's the thing that's frustrating was a lot of the movies that I would assume would fall under movies that didn't work would be because the ending is not good. And I think like the actual very end of the film is good. I just think that the the way that they introduce the kid with the cheat and then some of the moments earlier and the way that they introduce everyone is a big, uh, a big hole in the film that they could pretty easily fix. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, I know that they write, you know, you see the doctor write the word evil. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know that it's evil because someone wrote it down, <laughs> yes. um, but I just like the type of murders. I can't, 
there's something that's that doesn't work for me there either. Mm. Like this kid really stabbed this lady and cut her head off and put it in a dryer. Oh yeah. <laughs> they they definitely could have made them more believable, but I think they were going for the salacious like, oh, what if their heads in the... and that was very much like slasher film right. stuff. Right, and that's where I wrote, you know, like, oh, and now we're in a slasher film because, you know, the baseball bat and the head in the dryer. Um, so, like, a couple questions about that now that I think about it. Like, is this kid a kid persona but has, like, an adult mind? Or is it just, like, a like weird, fucked-up little kid? I would think that it's the first thing. I would think that it's, it's like, a, a little kid that can do things that a grown-up could do, like, physically. It would have Obviously. to be, yeah. It would yeah. have to be because of the way that he's like, fi- like setting bombs up, which is a like the whole bomb thing. Like, where the hell did you get the parts to make a bomb? Right, and the baseball bat. So, like, it's not. That's another thing that's not fair. No, so I'm I'm saying that by I should know that this isn't like a straight murder mystery, but mm-hmm. it te- kind of is. Like, I I don't know. Like, yeah, that's there, what I'm. There are, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it kind of is in, it's in between these two different things and it doesn't quite stick it because like I was saying about the, the characters is I don't, I don't need them all to be developed, but I want most of them to be developed a little more. Right. I want to care when yeah. somebody dies, which I didn't at all with any of them. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want it to be, it doesn't have to be like a psychological film where not much happens, but I don't want it to be a straight slasher movie either. Right. Right. So that's why, that's why I think, you know, if they could have had a couple more scenes where they were explaining a little bit, maybe in the, in the real world, but maybe not. Um, and then when she said Indian burial ground, I thought that my eyes were going to roll out of my head. Oh like, yeah. I thought yeah. that. I didn't even know where to go with that. I didn't even write anything down. I just wrote Indian burial ground, sweet Jesus, because I didn't even have an asshole comment for that. So <laughs> I was I was very glad that they didn't go that direction. That was, you know, and the thing that is is really, uh, if I knew more about Michael Cooney and had a little bit more appreciation for his work. I would think maybe this is on purpose, but I don't think that that's the case. What if? It's just that Malcolm Rivers, since this is all in his head, that he's not particularly bright. And so this is what he's coming up with, right? It's not that the movie is doing a bad job. It's that it's in this dude's head. And so then the dude's just not that bright. So that's why we have all these stock characters, because he doesn't know enough to give them nuance. Which which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But explain that to me then in the movie. Yeah, Tell really. Me, like, I'm doing bad writing on purpose. You could have, he could have had some line about him being a, like a failed novelist or something. You know, it could have, it could have had him being a big Stephen King fan with that freaking Indian burial ground thing. You know, I was waiting for something like that because I was like, oh, we're just doing a pet cemetery kind of situation. (laughs) Well, and like talk, like talk, talk him through maybe, you know, like how they did a back and forth at the very end. Um, talk him through one of the people getting killed mm-hmm. and his reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And like how he can explain that or, you know, how that affects him. Like you don't see him like losing personas or losing, you know, anything or even reacting to any of the murders out, outside of his body. You know what I would like to... This would be one that I would, I would maybe just kick around in the script phase, but what it, why does it have to just be one character that kills them all? You know, like, why can't it, why can't they be eliminated just because they're in like a battle royale or like a Hunger Games situation to where they're just getting killed off? Right. And And I mean, technically, maybe because that's what's happening, right? Right. Technically, the motel guy killed the stepdad. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was the little kid's fault, but. Um, that makes sense too, because you would think as the doctor that the person killing off everybody would be the bad person, even though he like talks the cop into, you can't let him win. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting take on that too. Yeah. So it's like, you could have a thing where, because I was really at, at parts of the film hoping that John Cusack's character was going to be a little more devious than he ended up being. 
Well, he kills Ray Liotta. Yeah. They kill each other. Yeah, and so it's like, well, you could have, you know, instead of this, because I felt like the way that they portrayed the kid to where he was like mustache twirling almost on his face, and it was like, ha ha, I'm behind it all, you know. Yeah. And, the, wa- the the slow walk away from the explosion. Oh yes, and instead it could have a lot easier been just he was the one who just kind of stayed out of the way. And he was the killer, but he knew that how to manipulate and just put everyone together to where they would just kill each other off. Right. And he could have killed the first person and then just set all these, you know, things in motion. Yeah. Hmm. Like one murder and let the chaos ensue. Yeah. And just, yeah. And just sit back and stay your innocent self and let them all kill each other. And then you finish off whoever's left. Like in Saw, where yeah. you kind of just sit there and let them. Yeah. Right. Just like Saw. Saw with the little kid. If you've seen Saw and you think that was a spoiler, then you need to just figure it out. That was like 20 years ago. Yeah, you need to get over it since there's like (laughs) Saw 14 or whatever. (laughs) So anyway, so yeah, so that's what, uh, so is there, what else do we think about the movie? Like, I think that uh, there's, I mean, it doesn't seem like we're really struggling too much for things that they should or could have done instead. Right, but I yeah. think that this is a lot different of a discussion than when we did our biggest flops in movie history, to where that was just like, what the fuck were they tear it down at? and build a new one? <laughs> yeah, really, take all of this money and make a good movie instead. Yeah, I mean, like, and that's kind of where we went with this. the 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 ideas are really good, and I'm not saying that this movie is awful. I'm just saying that there are things that could have been better. It wasn't like I watched this and I was like, oh my god, it's the worst movie I've ever watched. Um. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that there were things that... I, and I'm always a sucker for getting everybody in one place and um, then an immediate action and, you know, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out the puzzle. So, I, I did like that part, even though it ended up being a cheatery part yeah. of it. Well, and one of the things that I think is is interesting is they did have, like I said, they had a good cast. Um, I mentioned this, this was directed by James Mangold. And for people that don't know or don't follow directors... He uh, directed Copland. He did Girl Interrupted. He directed Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma. Oh. He directed The Wolverine, and he also directed Logan. And so he's done quite a few movies that have done really well, box office-wise. Yeah. And he's got two different movies that are in uh, production now. One of them is by the famous uh, playwright... David Mamet, that's called The Force, and it's about a corrupt New York cop that's supposed to be coming out next year that I'm interested in. That means Vader? But so, um, (laughs) no, that's different. So so he's done quite a few different things, and it's interesting to me that right before uh, the very um, popular, I won't say well-received, the very popular Walk the Line, the movie that that director did before that was this, was Identity. So... There you go. Yeah. So, so what do we think, Cruiser? The movie was not uh, was not great, but had interesting bits, like you said, had nice potential. Yeah, I think some of the some of the dialogue made me not excited about it um, too. And then I think at the end when Amanda P was like crying and doing that, "What are you waiting for?" Oh, thing. Oh yes. I was like, I don't. Nobody needs this right now. But who knows? Yeah, so. so I I think that it is a really interesting idea. I think that I'm I have all the time in the world for the ten people are together and something's wrong, but they're all connected. Yeah. Yep. You know, I can I can do that all day, but I just think that this one, I don't know if this was a a a script that the guy labored over, but he needed another to do another look. <laughs> You know, he needed to check it out a little bit more because there was things in there that that could have made it quite a bit better, I think. Right, right. Punch up. I also have one horrible thing to say that you're going to roll your eyes at. Do you think that this movie should have been called Malcolm in the Middle? (laughs) Wow. Oh, damn that show because it ruined it. That's probably probably what it was called in the screenwriting phase. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm guess i okay with a movie being called Identity. Um, Yeah, 
I'm all right. I'm all right with that. I don't know about the the hand like the. I think that the cover is interesting, but the more I look at it, the more I'm like, well, wait a minute, isn't that only like five or six people? There's ten of them. Right. That doesn't make sense. So, I guess you don't have enough famous people to all put them all on that handprint. <laughs> I was gonna be the thumb, but then I got booted from somebody else. Yeah, really. I do like the. I do, uh, and we opened this episode with the with the poem that is uh, a famous poem, not a poem written for this. But I do like that they used that a little bit. Uh, the when I was going up the stairs thing. Yeah. Um, I thought that that was something that they could have used with multiple voices. Agreed. You know, you have yep. Amanda Pete starting to say it. And that could have been something that they are in the powwow when they're getting to know each other after Rebecca DeMornay dies. And in this invented scene that I've made. And one of them starts saying it and then another one finishes it. And then they're all kind of like, oh, I know that song. Or I know that. Yeah. You know, it could have been, yeah, it even, even could have been like something a little more common that everybody might have known. So it wouldn't have initially been like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. There's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We all know this. Mm-hmm. And then they sing, you know, it's Don't Stop Believing by Journey. And they just like get into it. <laughs> and then one of them dies and they're like, hey, man, we were, we were having a good time. What happened? <laughs> okay. Like, you don't like Steve Perry? Like, I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> Okay, so I think that pretty much does it for identity for our another one of our returns. We're just going to have a return every episode. It's like, hey, yeah. we're back, right? Yes, he's back. Yeah. So if you have any uh, comments for the show or movies that you think that we should talk about, you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You could follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes. And there you're going to find our Amazon wish list. So thank you for listening. And we'll be back with another movie that shoulda, coulda, woulda worked the science fiction action film in time 